Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back. I'm Jim Oliver, your host, and I'm excited today to have David Stearns joining me. David, welcome. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing great. And for you guys that don't know that name, David Stearns, David is a huge advocate and a huge presence in the IBC space, infinite banking, becoming your own banker space. In fact, David is related to R. Nelson Nash himself. David, tell us a little bit about you and your background. And by the way, I'm sorry, David, I, I didn't finish that very well. David runs the Nelson Nash Institute. Okay. Hey, uh, you got most of that correct. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. IBC is my life. Okay. That's all there is to it. And, you know, I am one of the co-directors of the uh, Nelson Nash Institute, along with uh, Robert Murphy and Carlos Lara. And I also run Infinite Banking Concepts, LLC, which is all the products and services that we provide the, the public in the uh, the uh, agent side of the house too. But But I live IBC. I'm related to Nelson. And I guess I first met him in 1979 when I married uh, his youngest daughter, Kim. And so we, we go way back. And, and I got some stories about Nelson that nobody knows about. So I guess I'll slowly leak them out over the next few months and years. But uh, Well, maybe so, today we could get like <laughs> one story, David. I mean, think of one that we could share with the audience that nobody knows other than the Breakaway Wealth audience out here. I'd love that. So think about that. Well, I do tell a story when I first met Nelson, how that, how that, that shaped up. And yeah, I've, told, I, I've told it at our think tank meetings, I think, but I don't think I've shared it with the, with the public as whole, in whole. Maybe I did. I don't know. I can't remember, but I'll, I'll leak that one out here in a couple of minutes, I guess. Awesome. Awesome. But, well, you know, I met David, uh, I don't know how many years ago now, because I'm getting old, maybe eight, 10, maybe more than that. I don't know. But yeah, yep. uh, about 10 years ago, about 10 years ago. And, you know, David's an ex-military guy. And at the think tank, when guys are not sticking to the schedule or they're not doing what they're supposed to do, David is on them. And I can tell that he is focused to make sure that meeting runs smoothly. And that's a, a great meeting. If there's any practitioners out there that are listening and don't go to that meeting, you need to go to the meeting. And I believe it's the first week of February this coming up year, right? David? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we, we, I typically do it the first week in February. Uh, I like to get all the football out of the way. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, so we typically do it the week after the Super Bowl. And awesome. this year it's the 5th and 6th of February. We're doing it in Birmingham again, our home turf. So I've been doing think tanks since 2005. You know, so, when I first got started in infinite banking and I wanted to learn how to communicate infinite banking to the general public and do it the right way, I bought I think just about everything you have on your website. And I bought the think tank videos from the years, the previous years. And I watched all of those. And then I would contact those people and ask them questions or, you know, whatever it was. But that's a great way to learn how to do this. And whether you're a practitioner or you're practicing infinite banking in your own life, is you want to get as much information as possible. So I would find people that 
have been to those meetings, that they're not only guides for infinite banking, but they're also students. I mean, I am constantly trying to learn more and more about uses to benefit me and my family and also my, my clients and my prospects. So that's a great meeting that you put on, David. I appreciate it. Yeah, we used to I record all the all the presentations and I used to produce them like like you suggested before, but now they're all produced and they're hung on the website for our practitioner community to use them. And the, the intent is to, you know, is is continuing education really and to and come up with new ideas and best practices for producers that they can share with their clients and prospects because, you know, infinite banking is there's not one way to do infinite banking. Okay, there's a lot of wrong ways to do it, but there's not one right way. Yeah, that's why Nelson named it infinite because there's multiple uses, multiple policy designs, and multiple ways to think about it. And so, yeah, the Think Tank is a great session for sharing innovative ideas on, on case design and, and things like that. And I guess to me, the most important thing about the Think Tank is it's a way to share our faith, okay, in, in what we're doing because a lot of these producers out there in the United States and Canada, I feel like the Lone Ranger out there because they're, they're, you know, they're the only person doing it. Or, and there's like, and so their clients are saying, I've never heard of this. How come, how come it's not, you know, mainstream. And so yeah. think tank, think tank helps them recharge their batteries and, and share with other like-minded individuals. You know, David, um, I got to tell you a quick story. Yesterday I had a meeting with the lady who was from Belgium. And she had listened to our podcast and she was doing research about infinite banking. And she said, I want to do this. And I just have some questions. And, and, you know, unfortunately we haven't figured out a way for her to be able to buy a policy in the United States and do that. And she's checking into some other countries in Europe, but you know, we're obviously blessed to live in this country for so many reasons but the fact that we have mutual insurance companies out there that will issue the right types of policies that we can do infinite banking, I mean, there's a lot of places in the world that, that this isn't possible. Yeah, exactly. You know, I get calls and emails every week, primarily from the UK and Australia, New Zealand and whatnot, even, even, even the Far East, Indonesia, Thailand, you name it, and they all want to do infinite banking. And like you said, it's like, I'm sorry. I mean, you can do infinite banking, you know, with a, with a, a buried can in your backyard or something on your mattress, but you can't do it the way we do it here in the States with the mutual insurance industry because it doesn't exist anywhere outside the United States and Canada, unfortunately. It used to. Right. Uh, it was, mutual companies were big in, in, in the UK and uh, somebody killed them. I think we all know the name of the guy that did it. His name is uh, Keynes. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, so we're, we're blessed to have this, this capability in that insurance platform. So, so let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit to where you, you meet Nelson. So you, you meet Nelson and, and your wife says, Hey, you got to meet my dad. And you say, okay, what's your dad do? No. Well, (laughs) that's not how it happened. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't right. quite like Tell me that. the story then, David. No, it's, it's not that I had, to, it, was, it was I had to meet him because I was a second lieutenant stationed in Hawaii. Okay, my, my best friend's name was Barry Nash. Ah, and the plot thickens. Plot thickens. And we were deployed to Korea and he kept saying, hey, my, my sister's coming over to visit me. You got to meet her. You got to meet her. You got to meet her. 
<laughs> and of course, he didn't have any pictures, so I, I could I visualized what that was all about. <laughs> and long story short, she came over with her parents, Nelson and Mary Nash. He was a big producer for Equitable back then. And so, you know, he won all, he, he qualified for all the trips and whatnot. So he qualified for this big trip to Hawaii. So he took his family with him. And they, they went simply because they wanted to hang out with Barry a little bit because they hadn't seen him for a while. Anyway, long story short is I, I kept away as long as I, you know, as long as I could, because I, I just thought it was going to be, you know, a disaster anytime you get set up with somebody. And what happened was Nelson and Mary flew back to the States and Kim stayed there and stayed with her brother, Barry, because he had a two bedroom uh, apartment. And so, I don't know, I guess a week or so after Nelson left, I finally met Kim and uh, we hit it off. We started dating. And this was in like, I don't know, I guess April timeframe, maybe. And uh, well, she, she kept staying. She, I mean, she, her, her plane ticket had to be used. And so she called up her dad and said, listen, I want to stay a little bit longer. And so he made it so she could stay a little bit longer. And then he, then she called up against, I want to stay a little bit longer. And he said, well, the only way you can stay is you get a job. And so she went out that day and got a job. <laughs> and, and I'd never met Nelson. I'd never talked to him, never met him. And then we decided in a short order that we were that, to get married. I, mean, I didn't fool around. It was like, let's do it. Boom. Yeah. And, and uh, so I met her in April. We got married in August. And uh, so the phone call to Nelson was, hey, I'm not coming home ever because I'm getting married. <laughs> and it was like shock. Okay. And so what did Nelson do? He called my parents up and he got a list of references that lived in the southeastern part of the United States. And he drove around and interviewed them. So he, he talked to three families that I grew up with and that were friends of my, my, my parents. And interviewed them. And I still had never met Nelson. Okay. Anyway, we, we, we were supposed to get married on the, well, we did get married on the uh, 11th of August, 1979. He flew into to uh, Honolulu with Mary and Kim's grandparents came and I met him at the airport when we picked him up at the airport. It was like two days before the wedding. So, and so I was like, of course I was, I was nervous, you know, because I'd never met the guy and I was not attuned to all the, you know, the Southern, uh, doctrine about, you know, asking for the, for the, you know, the daughter's hand in marriage and all that stuff like that. I just said, let's just get married. I proposed and we did it. So anyway, I met him at the airport and he looked at me and he kind of like shook hands and we, you know, it's like, I was really nervous about it. And as soon as we, we, we rented a place up on the North shore of Hawaii, we took him up there. And, and as soon as we got settled in, he, he said, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and I thought, okay, here it comes, man, both barrels. And we sat down at the table. And I thought I was gonna, really going to get like uh, a real chewing out. He opened up his briefcase. He pulled out some papers and said, sign here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would have signed anything anywhere, anytime at that point, because that was, that was relatively painless. So I signed it. And it, what it was, was a whole life insurance contract. And there was a reason why he was like a top guy in, in equitable. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to, to uh, have people sign on the dotted line. So that was my first, my first policy was in, in August of 1979. It was, a, it was, I think a hundred thousand dollar face value, whole life policies, vanilla policy, no PUAs, no nada, just a straight policy. Yeah. And, and once I signed that without too much uh, consternation, uh, you know, things got better and better between us. So that was, that was my, that was my first introduction to Nelson. 
That's awesome. I could just see Nelson doing that. Makes me your, your story makes me miss Nelson. I'm sure nobody misses Nelson more than well, Mary. I'm sure misses Nelson more than than anybody else. But you know, Nelson was an everyday part of your life and uh, and part of your business and mm-hmm. such an incredible influence and mentor. That's that's awesome. That's a, that's a yeah. great story. What do, what do you miss most on a daily basis about Nelson, David? Well, I mean, he come over every day and have coffee with me. We we live a we live about a mile apart, and uh, and so I I got the office set up here, so he'd, he'd drive over and we'd have coffee and we spend at least an hour together every morning. Yeah, and it was you know it was always it was always a lesson with him, a yeah. lesson on, a lesson on life, because he was always thinking, 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 and he wanted to share something new that he that popped into focus for him. Uh, and so it was a Q and a, and, you know, he'd say, well, what do you think about this? And, and he listened to the answers and kind of like took you where he thought you should go. Yeah. Uh, so that, so that's what I miss about it. Most, mostly it was, it was, it was constant mental activity with him. And it usually, usually I got the answers wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm because, glad you, I'm no, glad you I, admit that because I was just thinking that to myself. No. Normally when Nelson did that to me, I was always wrong. I, I was always wrong. I was because, because one thing I, one thing I figured out quickly that he and I thought totally different. We, we had a different thought process completely. Yeah. And it, it, you know, related to math, the same, you know, I just thought, I thought things differently than he did. He was totally backwards. What I was thinking and uh and conceptually he was he was coming from a different paradigm completely and one one thing about nelson too that i'll mention that we'll move on is it took me a while to figure out that what what he wanted you to know mostly was something that he did not emphasize if he was if he hit you over the head with something that wasn't important if he dropped a subtle hint with something that's what he wanted you to pick up with and run with and and so that was a that was a huge eye opener for me. It took me about five or six years to figure that one out. That's a you know that's a that's a great point and that's a great observation. You know, I I think of some of the the uh, lessons that he taught me. You know, and again, we're going to talk about IBC in a second audience. Just so if you think we're not going to talk about IBC, we are. But uh, you know, I could talk for, and I'm sure David could for hours about Nelson. But I remember one time when we, he was sitting on our couch after he had spoke for eight hours or more that day, and he went through a 45 minute Bible lesson that was just amazing. But one of the cool things is that when when it was time to take Nelson to the airport, and by the way, the airport is 90 miles away from our house in South Dakota is I let my son Tanner drive with Nelson alone because I thought I want my son to experience this. I want him to have that one-on-one time that you just can't describe. If you haven't spent one-on-one time with Nelson, you can't describe it. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in the car and, you know, have it a three-way conversation. I just wanted him to have this one-on-one time. And I think Tanner really values that. And Nelson talked about their conversation and you know how much he valued it because that was the thing that was so cool about Nelson is that you would think man I got everything out of that Nelson got nothing out of that he gave everything in that conversation and he felt like you blessed him too yep yep yeah you're he he took every opportunity he could to expose young people to just 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 the thought process and thinking 
because he's, you know, he, he was, oh, he's a big advocate for, you know, homeschooling, self-directed education, all the resources are available on the computer. You don't need to pay for an education because it's all there. Uh, so he, he was always looking forward to talking to young people so he could expose them to, to stuff like that. So that, yeah, I've heard that story from a bunch of people. Yeah. So that's, that's good. So, all right. So let's talk about Nelson's masterpiece, brainchild, whatever you want to call it, but infinite banking concept. And, you know, if you've read the book, you know how it started, you know, like Nelson just has such a poetic way of teaching us, here's why your brain is having a hard time with this. This is, you know, let me show you some examples. These are just examples of how somebody might use it, but you got to understand the underlying message. But David, so many people get so much wrong or they view it so differently. I mean, that's got to be frustrating for you as you get all these phone calls and emails and everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Infinite banking is not about life insurance. Okay. I mean, it's about controlling the banking function in your life. Period. Okay. And and he talks about the 34.5% of interest paid going out the door on a one-way street, okay? And so you need to try to recapture that interest as best you can and keep that, that money within your sphere of influence. And that's what it's all about. It's just about maintaining your sphere of influence and warehousing your wealth. And, you, and it's a great savings vehicle. And, and, you know, once you accumulate and save, now it's about utilization, he incrementally got there. It didn't, it didn't happen like overnight. He didn't pop, you know, infinite banking in his brain. And all of a sudden he was off, off to the races. Like everything else, it was a slow process for him. There were some critical actions that took place. You know, he talks about it in the book where he woke up at three o'clock in the morning. He was praying, you know, Lord, I've created this, you know, mess. How can I get out of it? Kind of, he, that's when he had a kind of a rock bottom realization that he had access to these funds. But the infinite banking piece was a progressing progressive thing that probably took about 10 years before it got to where you guys know it now. And that's, that's really cool. That, 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 I think that helps somebody that's starting with infinite banking of how to, you know, to be patient. I mean, Tony Robbins says people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And I'm sure he didn't come up with that, but somebody said that it's a truth. Right. And so, you know, I see so many people out there that are teaching infinite banking and they're teaching it because they want to sell more insurance or I see people not doing infinite banking because they don't want to buy insurance or they can't buy insurance or they don't understand insurance or, you know, or they've, they've got some bad advice from a, somebody who can spell IBC, but they can't actually live it, breathe it and aren't advocates of it. What are just some of the big mistakes you see people making with infinite banking, David? Well, when I say a big mistake, it's relative to who the person is and what they're, what they're trying to achieve. If they know what they're trying to achieve and what they're doing is perfect for their scenario, then it might not be a mistake. Okay, but what, this is what I see. If you go back to BYOB, Nelson talks about capitalization of these policies. Okay, he's talking about five years, seven years capitalization period before you start utilizing them. Okay, well... You know, nowadays, everybody wants to go ahead and they want to design a policy, issue a policy, and they want to have access to the cash surrender value collateral within 30 days of policy delivery. 
And yeah, it's available and it, it's there and it works. It works. Okay. But without capitalization, you're not going to have that, that jump start in the policy. You're not going to, you're not going to build, build like you should initially. So some people that's great, great. But when you look at the, some of the rules of the game, it, that's not exactly what we're trying to do. Also, uh, folks, unfortunately, will look at an illustration of becoming your own banker and they'll see that Nelson only funded a policy for seven years, okay, uh, like in equipment financing. So they design policies where you only fund the policy for seven years. And how do you pay the premiums thereafter? Dividend surrenders, partial surrenders, you know, whatever. Wrong. Okay. Don't steal the peas. Okay, don't do anything that's going to minimize the, the capability of these policies to grow and maximize your cash surrender value in the later years. So don't design policies like that. That's a mistake. Okay. And those, those illustrations in the book, they're not designed for premium offsets or, or no premium payments. You have to read the fine print to understand what he's doing. So those are the two big ones. And also one more, Nelson always preached think long range. And you can sell a ton of 10 pays if you want to. There's still a product available. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a 10 pay is like great policy, but after 10 years, it's hard to get more money in those things. Is that, is yeah. that a true statement? It's a, it's, it, it's hard. It's impossible to get more money in those okay. things. Okay. So now you have a vehicle that's great, but now it's sitting there like an albatross. And it's going to grow with, with dividend uh, buying pay for additional insurance. Yes. But, I think long range. Every policy I go for now is an L121. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not going to live, you know, <laughs> much longer, you know, I say much longer, probably 20 or 30 years. But L121, maybe it gives me the most flexibility and payment and, and accumulation. You know, what's funny about that, David, is I always kind of equate that 10 pay thing to like, let's say I had a car that would go zero to 60 in one second. Right. I mean, that's going to be the fastest car that I can imagine faster than just faster than any car made, but I'm in a race right. and I only get to go 60 miles an hour. Right. I'm going to start off fast. I'm going to look really good the first, you know, quarter mile or not even a quarter mile. And then after that, the other cars are going to go past me. So once I'm going 60, mm -hmm. why would I ever want to cap it? Exactly. That's, that's a good analogy. That's perfect. That, that's, that, that's the real problem I have with people doing that. And especially if you have a 65 year old client and he says, okay, IBC can't work for me because I'm 65 years old. Right. It's like, why? Well, because I'm, I'm getting ready to retire and I don't want to make premium payments in my retirement years. You know, by the way, I'm uninsurable or, or whatever. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. Do you have, do you have a next generation and a third generation? Well, yeah. I said, well, how are you going to transfer your wealth to the next generation in the third generation? Well, yeah. I'm just going to, you know, well, guess what? This is a great strategy for doing that. It's, ex you know, I, I tell people, I think the last time I talked to Nelson, I might have this age just a little bit wrong, David, but I think he was like 85. And if I remember right, there was a great grandbaby born and he was buying a policy. You know, so, I mean, what, how old was Nelson when he bought his last policy? Uh, he probably bought one on my number six grandson probably it was in 2017 so he's probably 85 or 86 yeah 
Yeah, yeah. that's what I – and so – and Nelson had about 49 policies or thereabouts uh, at one time, and they gave some away, right? Right. At the, yeah, at the peak, he had around 49, I think. I never did see the spreadsheet uh, yeah. at that time. But, yeah, he, he, he gave them away, and he had business partner – that he had policies on and those businesses had dissolved over the years. And so he had these policies with no insurable interest in these individuals. Yeah. And so he would, he would give them away to his children and say, okay, I don't know where this guy is. If you can find him, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so he transferred the policy over. And in fact, I got, I got one like that now and uh, I'm keeping an eye on this guy. So <laughs> that's right. My conversation with David was so interesting that we kept talking quite a bit longer. So we're going to continue this conversation on next week's episode. Look forward to seeing you then. Thank you. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.